0: Welcome to the Seminary Support Podcast, where you will find help to start, finish, and get the most out of your seminary experience. I'm your host, Mark McElreath. In reading and studying veering sources, it can seem like everyone with higher degrees and years of education are the ones who don't believe the Bible. So, why do the smartest people reject Christianity? So why does it seem like the, quote, smartest people reject Christianity? Lots of smart professors reject Christianity. The ones with degrees, with credentials, with years of classroom experience, years of research and studying. To them, it seems like Christianity does not make sense. So how do we justify this as we approach truth and we approach the Bible and we approach Christianity? Well, first of all, we need to understand this. We need to understand how knowledge works. Now from a rational approach, we think that all people just come to conclusions from a very logical scientific sense. They have gathered information, they've gathered the data, they have looked over the data, they have come to a logical explanation of the data. Therefore, if that was true, you could count how many people believe something And that will tell you which is right. So if you have 100 people that are looking at data and 85 of them say this is the answer and 15 say this is the answer, well, then if they've all come to a logical explanation, the 85 are right. But this is not actually how belief works. Let me give you an example. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's begin reading just a few verses. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 10. Paul writing, he says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, from these verses, First Corinthians 2, verse 10 to 14, the natural man does not accept the things of God because he cannot accept. These things are spiritually discerned. This truth can be perceived, but it cannot be received uh, in many ways. Uh, for some, it's it's almost in their head, but it's like it is restrained from their heart. It says in verse 10, He's revealed them to us by His Spirit. That's a capital S, the Holy Spirit, which means the indwelling Holy Spirit in believers. And so if a scientist is can be looking at truth. And it can be restrained from them because it takes the Spirit of God to unveil that truth to them. Let's go to the book of Romans in verse number 1. Romans chapter 1, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. We find Romans chapter 1, of course, a number of key truths concerning salvation. But in chapter 1, we find out some great truths about revelation. Not the last book of the Bible, but Revelation as in something being revealed. The revelation of God. Now, we understand there is the revelation of God in creation. There's a revelation of God in conscience. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So they they hold it back. They suppress it. They push against it. It doesn't mean they hold it like in their hands. They hold it. This word holding means they suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. Verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them, for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now it goes on, it goes into a number of things about how they're turned over to. Reprobate mind, they've changed the glory of God, they changed the truth of God, but the point is that People are not neutral in how they approach knowledge. Even here in Romans chapter 1, it tells us that they are suppressing this truth. This is God's truth that they suppress in unrighteousness. If you've read any headlines, if you've read anything online, you've seen where truth seems so clear. And yet the headline, or if you read on, or whatever it is, or you've picked up a book and you've read something, it is so distorted And it is so warped. You say, how can someone come to this understanding? It is because they're approaching it. These things that are clearly seen are invisible to them because they do not have the Spirit of God. I was reading an article recently, and it talked about a, a book that came out in 1962 written by a man named Thomas Kuhn. And It was called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. It had to do with how knowledge was perceived. And I'm going to read a little bit about the book he said, Kuhn challenged the then prevailing view of progress in science in which scientific progress was viewed as, quote, development by accumulation of accepted facts and theories. So progress in science came when enough facts mounted up to where theories that were out there that were uh, they were unsure about could be formulated and could be confirmed. Well, Kuhn argued For an episodic model in which periods of conceptual continuity, where there is cumulative progress, which Kuhn referred to as periods of normal science, were interrupted by periods of revolutionary science. The discovery of, quote, anomalies during revolutions in science leads to new paradigms. And new paradigms then ask new questions of old data, move beyond the mere, quote, puzzle solving of the previous paradigm, and change the rules of the game and the map directing new research. So what does all that mean? Here's the point Kuhn was getting at. Science doesn't work by gathering data and making conclusions. Remember we talked about if everyone came to a logical explanation, you could just find out who, who you know, what group of people believe, most in the group of people believe that truth. Well, then that's the truth. But science doesn't work that way. They collect data and then they interpret it in a certain system or a certain paradigm. They collect the data and interpret it based on a worldview. And the worldview conditions what is accepted or what is rejected. So they can be logically looking at something, looking at fossils. They can be looking at age of the earth theories. And they can only accept what fits within the current worldview. People accept or reject based upon their understanding of the world. Uh, And that article I was reading, it mentioned an example from classic literature. If you're familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, one of the books is The Magician's Nephew. And it speaks of Uncle Andrew, who's a recurring character within the books. And he's in Narnia, this magical place. And he hears Aslan, who is the lion, singing. Well, in Narnia, animals can speak, and they can sing, and Aslan's a great lion, and he sings. Well, since Uncle Andrew does not believe that lions can sing, that does not fit his worldview. Interpreting that data that a lion sings doesn't fit his understanding of the world. He believes it's just noise, and it can't really be singing. Why? Because it doesn't fit his worldview. So, let me encourage you. Just because everyone around you doesn't believe, you may be in a place where you say, well, the things I say, the things I bring up, people just don't believe it. Just because everyone around you doesn't believe, that does not mean what you believe isn't true. Because listen, the world always seems to be smarter. Luke chapter 16, in verse number 8, the Bible says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. I'll also leave you with one final verse, First Corinthians chapter two, we were there earlier, but I want to read to you verse four and five. Paul says this And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul makes the point that when he came to Corinth, his preaching it wasn't the words, it wasn't man's wisdom. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit which drove that truth home. And it was not so that it could stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And when that truth breaks through a cold, dead heart, it is because the power of God has broken through. And then that wisdom stands upon the foundation of the power of God and not the foundation of our own own understanding and our own wisdom. And that is the greatest work that can be done when it is a true work of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is launched. Please take a moment to leave us a review. Seminary support can be found on every major podcast player and platform. Please share today's episode with someone who you think would find it helpful. Please send me your episode ideas or feedback. To the seminary podcast at gmail.com I'm your host Mark McElreath and remember nothing will ever take the place of learning from the Lord Jesus Christ he calls out learn of me and there's an open invitation to that classroom for all of us